jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, Flap. 6 to 8. Happy hour Flap with Black Classic and on Mutiny Radio. D. Dot FM. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio.
And the guy was quite a bit older. He was kind of raggedy and...
and she was very beautiful, you know? And together they turned everything into a kind of an adventure. She liked that. Just an ordinary trip down to the grocery store was full of adventure. And they were always laughing at stupid things. He liked to make her laugh. And they didn't much care for anything else because all they wanted to do was be with each other. They were always together. And he, he loved her more than he ever felt possible. He couldn't stand being away from her um, during the day when he went to work. So he'd quit just to be home with her. Then he'd get another job when the money ran out. And then he'd quit again. But pretty soon she started to worry. About what? Money, I guess. Not having enough. Hmm? Not knowing when the next check was coming in. Yeah, I know that feeling. So he started to get kind of torn inside. Yeah, I know that feeling. So he started to get kind of torn inside. How do you mean? Well, he knew he had to work to support her, but he couldn't stand being away from her either. And the more he was away from her, the crazier he got. Except now, he got really crazy. He started imagining all kinds of things. Like what? He started thinking that she was seeing other men on the sly. He'd come home from work and accuse her of spending the day with somebody else. He'd yell at her to break things in the trailer. Yes. They lived in a trailer home. Anyway, he started to drink real bad. He'd stay out late to test her, to see if she'd get jealous. He wanted her to get jealous, but she didn't. She just worried about him. That got him even madder. He thought if she never got jealous of him, that she didn't really care about him. Jealousy was a sign of her love for him. And then one night, one night, she told him that she was pregnant. She was about three or four months pregnant, and he didn't even know. And then suddenly everything changed. He stopped drinking a steady job. He was convinced that she loved him now because she was carrying his child. And he was going to dedicate himself to making a home for her. But a funny thing started to happen. He didn't even notice it at first. 
she started to change. From the day the baby was born, she began to get irritated with everything around her. She got mad at everything. Even the babies seemed to be an injustice to her. He kept trying to make everything all right for her, buy her things, take her out to dinner once a week. But nothing seemed to satisfy her. For two years, he struggled to pull them back together like they were when they first met. Finally, he knew it was never going to work out. So he hit the bottle again. But this time it got mean. This time when he came home late at night, she wasn't worried about him or jealous. She was just enraged. She accused him of holding her captive by making her have a baby. She told him that she dreamed about escaping. That was all she dreamed about, escape. She saw herself at night running naked down a highway running across fields, running down riverbeds, always running. And always, just when she was about to get away, he'd be there. He would stop her somehow. He would just appear and stop her. And when she told him these dreams, he believed them. He knew she had to be stopped or she'd leave him forever. So he tied a cowbell to her ankle so he could hear at night if she tried to get out of bed. But she learned how to muffle the bell by stuffing a sock into it and inching her way out of the bed and into the night. He caught her one night when the sock fell out and he heard her trying to run to the highway. He caught her and dragged her back to the trailer and tied her to the stove with his belt just left her there, went back to bed, and lay there listening to her scream. Then he listened to his son's scream. And he was surprised at himself because he didn't feel anything anymore. All he wanted to do was sleep. And for the first time, he wished he were far away. without language, or streets. And he dreamed about this place without knowing its name. And when he woke up, he was on fire. There were blue flames burning the sheets of his bed. He ran through the flames toward the only two people he loved. But they were gone. His arms were burning, and he threw himself outside and rolled on the wet ground. Then he ran. He never looked back at the fire. He just ran. He ran until the sun came up couldn't run any further. And when the sun went down, he ran again. 
five days he ran like this until every sign of man had disappeared.
Black Black Plastic is the show on Mutiny Radio that you're listening to. Keep it listening. August 1934. Several months later, I began to feel heavy and tremors inside of my womb. My breasts are full of milk. The child does not belong in my life, for I have too many people to take care of. I have already too many children. As D.H. Lawrence said, do not bring any more children into the world. Bring hope into the world. There are too many men without hope and faith in the world. Too much work to do, too many to serve and care for. Already, I have more than I can bear. I sit in the studio in the dark, talking to my child. You should not be thrust into this black world, in which even the greatest joys are tainted with pain, in which we are slaves to material forces. He kicked and stern. So full of energy, my child. How much better it would be if you had stayed away from Earth in obscurity and unconsciousness, in the paradise of non-being. My little one not born yet, you are the future. I would prefer to live with men in the present, not with future extensions of myself into the future. I feel your small feet kicking against my womb. It is very dark in the room we're sitting in, just as dark as it must be for you inside of me. But it must be sweeter for you to be lying in the warmth than it is for me to be seeking in this dark room the joy of not knowing, not feeling, not seeing, the joy of lying still and quiet in utter warmth and darkness. All of us forever seeking again this warmth and this darkness, this being alive without pain, this being alive without anxiety or fear or aloneness. You are impatient to live. You kick with your small feet, my little one not born yet. You ought to die in warmth and darkness. You ought to die because in the world there are no real fathers, not in heaven or on earth. The German doctor has been here. While he examines me, we talk about the persecution of the Jews in Berlin. Life is full of terror and wonder. He said, you were not built for maternity. I sit in the dark studio and talk to the child. You can see by what is happening in the world that there is no father taking care of us. We are all orphans. 
You will be a child without a father, as I was a child without a father. That is why I did all the caring. I nursed the whole world. When there was war and persecution, I wept for all the wounds inflicted. And where there were injustices, I struggled to return life, to recreate hope. The woman loved and cared too much. But inside of this woman, there is still a child. There is still the ghost of a little girl forever wailing inside, wailing the loss of her father. Will you go about, as I did, knocking on windows, watching every caress and protective love given to other children? For as soon as you will be born, as just as soon as I was born, man, the husband, lover, friend, will leave, as my father did. Man is a child, afraid of fatherhood. Man is a child, and not a father. Man is an artist who needs all the care, all the warmth for himself, as my father did. There's no end to his needs. He needs faith, indulgence, humor. He needs worship, good cooking, mended socks, elves, a hostess, a mistress, a mother, a sister, a secretary, a friend. He needs to be the only one in the world. He will hate your wailing and your slobbering and your sickness and my feeding you rather than his work, his creation. He might cast you aside for this love of his work which brings him praise and power. He might run away as my father ran away from his wife and children and you would be abandoned as I was. It would be better to die than to be abandoned for you would spend your life haunting the world for this lost father this fragment of your body and soul, this lost fragment of your very self. There is no father on earth. We were deluded by this shadow of God the Father cast on the world, a shadow larger than man. This shadow you would worship and seek to touch, dreaming day and night of its warmth and of its greatness, dreaming of it covering you and lulling you, larger than a hammock, as large as the sky, big enough to hold your soul and all your fears, larger than man or woman, than church or house, the shadow of a magic father who is nowhere to be found. It is the shadow of God the Father. It would be better if you died inside of me, quietly, in the walls and in the darkness. The doctor does not hear the breathing of the child. He rushes me to the clinic. I feel resigned and yet deep down terrified of the anesthetic. Feeling of oppression, remembrance of other anesthetics, anxiety, like a birth trauma. The child is six months old. They might save it. Anxiety. Fear of death, fear of yielding to eternal sleep. But I lay smiling and joking. I was wheeled to the operating room, legs tied and raised, the pose of love in a cold, white operating room, with the clatter of instruments and the smell of antiseptics and the voice of the doctor and I trembling with cold, blue with cold and anxiety. The smell of ether, the cold numbness trickling through the veins, the heaviness, 
the paralysis, but the mind still clear and struggling with the concept of death, against death, against sleep. The voices grow dimmer. I have no longer the capacity to answer. The desire to sigh, sob, to murmur. Ça va, madame? 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 Ça va, madame?
Hello, it's me. This is MutinyRadio.fm on the internet from San Francisco. And it is time to get on board the morning train. Take me. Oh, yeah. 
French Cuban duo of Lisa Cande Diaz and Naomi Diaz from their self titled 2015 album. We heard the first three short tunes that open the album Elegua, Oya, and Ghosts. This is the morning train with your host, J.D. Buell, and now for Music of the Andes from Sukai.
with smooth sailing from now on. Before Buck, we heard a selection from an album entitled Conjunto, Texas-Mexican Border Music. It was released on the Rounder Records label in 1988. We heard Steve Jordan, also known as Esteban Jordan, during that period of time, so as to not be confused with Steve Jordan of Keith Richards' uh, expensive winos. That was Corrido del Asieti, Corrido de la Siete. And we had another selection from that album, but uh, in between there, Wanda Jackson gave us Please Help Me, I'm Falling. And we were back at uh, Texas-Mexican border music for La Tipica by Flaco Jimenez. And before that, we had Tex Ritter, who gave us Railroad Life. And we began with the group Sukai, S-U-K-A-Y. And their album was entitled Mama Luna. It was released in 1987 on Flying Fish. And what we heard was the title selection, Mama Luna, Me Resignado, and Sose Yoron. You have got J.D. Buell trying to do his best with Spanish pronunciation here on the morning train. And we're heading over for some more. This is Chinas y Criollas, and it is the music of Arturo O'Farrell.
Great stuff, huh? That is the music of Arturo O'Farrell, who wrote that suite entitled Three Afro-Cuban Jazz Moods. They were Kaleidoscopico, Pensativo, y Exuberante. Chico uh, Chico O'Farrell is the father of that composer there, and he's also on the album. This is credited to Dizzy Gillespie, Y Machito, it is entitled Afro-Cuban Jazz Moods, came out originally on the Pablo label in 1976 and is now available on Fantasy Original Jazz Classics. Chico O'Farrell was the conductor and arranger on that date, which his son produced. We began with Arturo O'Farrell himself at the piano from one of his own albums, 1999, the album called Bloodlines, and he gave us Chinas y Criollas. Well, enough Spanish for the time being. This is The Morning Train. I am J.D. Buell. I thank you for joining me. And this next set begins with a message from David Bowie. Said you took a big trip They said you moved away Happened oh so quietly They say Should've took a picture Something I could keep Buy a little frame Something cheap For you Everyone says hi Said you sailed a big ship Said you sailed away Didn't know the right thing to say I'd love to get a letter Like to know what's what Hope the weather's good And it's not too hot Everyone says hi Everyone says hi Everyone says don't stay in a sad place Where they don't care how you are Everyone says hi If the money is lousy Do 
Shook it. 